welcome to Shelter Cove Online. We are so glad that you're joining us today for this sermon. We hope and pray that this message encourages you, that you learn something, that you enjoy it. But more than that, we just pray that God would move in your life, that he would reveal some more of himself to you today. If you would like to respond to this message in any way, you can contact us at sheltercovelive.com. Have an amazing rest of your day. Good morning, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing? We good? Yeah, yeah that was lame, all right? I'm gonna be honest. Let's try that again. Let's... Good morning, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing? Yeah. There you go. Hey, so excited that you're here with us today. My name is Jeremy, one of the pastors. And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those out and meet me in Mark chapter one. Mark chapter one is where we're gonna be. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. One of the ushers will get one. If you don't own one, this is our gift to you. I wanna give a shout out to those of you joining us online. Stoked to have you tuning in with us today. Well, hey, you guys came on a great weekend. We are starting today a five-week series titled Follow. And this is near and dear to my heart for so many different reasons. Uh, first of all, it's because it's key to us living out our mission statement. Our mission statement is reaching and raising authentic followers of Jesus. And so I want us to be the real deal. I don't want us to be Christians that are just going through the motions. Uh, the Bible is very clear that he, uh, Jesus Christ, wants us to be his disciples, his followers. Now, it's really easy to understand but it's very difficult to live out because this is going to require us to die to ourselves. And so today what we're talking about is choosing to follow Jesus. Next week is choosing suffering and sacrifice. The following week is choosing repentance, then choosing obedience, then choosing the Holy Spirit. And this is so important because there's so many people that call themselves Christians, but when you look at their life, there's no evidence that they're truly a follower of Jesus Christ. A lot of times people think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian because I've been to church before, or I'm a Christian because uh, I was born in a Christian family, or I was baptized as an infant, or I went to a Christian junior high, or I was sprinkled uh, as a child, what, whatever it is. And yet we're gonna find out what, what does it truly mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? So that's near and dear to my heart for that reason. It's key to us living out our mission statement, but it's also near and dear to my heart because I think there's a lot of people living with a false sense of reality. Here's what I mean by that. I think there's a lot of people that think that they're following Christ. They think they have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and yet that's not the reality. In fact, Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter seven. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And so I wanna make sure that we as a people understand the call that Jesus has given every single one of us, and that's to follow him. So with that said, let's stand as we honor the reading of God's word. Mark chapter one, starting in verse 16, we stand because we're a Bible-teaching, Bible-believing church, and this is our way of honoring him. Verse 16 from the Gospel of Mark says, Passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. 
and immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Heavenly Father, God, we, we love you. And we need you right now. We need you to speak not just to our minds, but to our hearts. That we would not only understand your word, but that we would receive your word and you would transform us from the inside out, making us into the people you want us to be. So God, right now, take away any distraction, have your way in our lives today. God, I pray for your help, that you would speak through me in ways that only you can. We love you, we need you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. Grab your message notes out inside your bulletin. That's a great way to track with us today. We've got a lot of content. There's some space in there for you guys to take notes uh, as you are led. So what does it mean to choose to follow Jesus? To, to make that choice, I believe that there are four realities in this passage, these five verses that we looked at that describe what it looks like and sets the tone really for this series to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So the first thing that we see is that we need to respond to the invitation. We need to respond to the invitation. Now, we all get probably quite a few invitations. You get invitations to go to birthday parties. You get invitations to go to weddings. You get invitations to go to graduation parties. You get invitations to go to graduations, you know, where you sit in the heat for five hours, sweat profusely. No thank you, right? Uh, you get all kinds of different invitations. You get invitations to go out on dates, right? And sometimes those invitations come with some really cheesy pickup lines. In fact, I saw a couple of this last week, all right? Uh, here's one of them. Do you like coffee? because I like you a latte, right? That was just lame. Uh, do you have a Band-Aid? Because I scraped my knee falling for you. Hello. All right, how many of you remember the Transformers and were into the Transformers? Any of you? Good, three of you, okay. Uh, if you were a Transformer, you'd be Optimus Fine. Oh, hello. Is your name Google? Because you have everything I've been searching for. Oh, that's just cheesy, huh? I think this is my favorite one. It's a good thing I have my library card because I am totally checking you out, right? <laughs> Maybe a little bit inappropriate, right? But, but, you know, you can tell who the single people are here, right? They got their notes out and they're like, I'm writing some of these bad boys down. Use them, don't use those, they don't work, all right? We're talking about a different invitation, the best invitation, the invitation from Jesus, and this is what he says, verse 16. He says, passing along, the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me. Two simple words. Now, what makes this so amazing is that these were fishermen. The fishermen back then in those days, they would work really hard, long days. They would have to get up early. They would have to make sure their gear was all ready for the day. They'd have to drive out to specific locations, knowing where the the fish were, they'd have to throw their nets out there, they'd have to pull them in, they'd have to sort out the good fish from the bad fish, they'd have to take them to the market, sell them to the market, come back, mend their nets, get ready to go out and do the same thing the very next day. These guys worked long, long hard days, but they weren't super respected. I mean, they weren't like the physicians. They weren't like the, um, you know, the people that studied the law. They weren't like the Pharisees. These fishermen were just ordinary men that Jesus went up to and he gives them this invitation. And it's, it's, it's interesting because Jesus initiates it. 
These guys had nothing to do with it. Jesus approaches them, and even though they're, they're fishermen, Jesus comes up to them and offers them uh, to follow him. Jesus is not calling these fishermen because of who they are. He's calling them in spite of who they are, and that's the same for every single one of us. It's not because we're great. It's not because we're gifted. It's because God's so great, so loving, and he says, I choose you. I desire you. And that same invitation that Jesus gives to those fishermen 2,000 years ago is the same invitation that he gives to every single one of us. Will you follow me? And it's not a program, it's a person. Uh, we were in uh, Hawaii last year. We went to the Big Island. We were with uh, all the in-laws, my mother-in-law, brother-in-law, father-in-law, sister-in-law, mother-in-law, all the outlaws were there, right? And we go to this, uh, we go to the airport in uh, Hawaii, the big island, and Hallie's out, she has her luggage, she's 11 years old, just walking around like a boss, leading the whole group, and we're walking around in circles, and for 10 minutes, we have no idea where we're going, and all of a sudden, my brother-in-law just stops, and he says, why is everybody following Hallie, right? She's 11, doesn't know where she's going. Well, question is, why would, why would these guys follow Jesus? See, there's something different about Jesus. Back then, the, the rabbis would often be asked by a student if the student could follow them. And there are different rabbis and different people would desire to follow different rabbis, not here. These, these, these students didn't ask Jesus if they could follow him. He asked them to follow him. It was the total opposite of culture. But not only that, Mark sets the stage of what's what's taking place so far, and it describes and paints a picture to these fishermen who Jesus really is. In Mark 1.1, it says that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. Verse eight tells us that Jesus will baptize people with the Holy Spirit. In verse 11 of the same chapter, Mark tells us that the Heavenly Father acknowledged Jesus as his son at his baptism. Verse 12, Mark tells us that Jesus did battle with Satan and defeated him soundly. So when Jesus says, hey, come follow me, it's not following some insignificant person. This is following the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the long-awaited Messiah. And yet, this is the greatest opportunity of their life. See, I think if we're not careful, we have this casual mindset of what it means to follow somebody. Why? Because we're used to Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And we will check that out when we, we, when we want to, when it's convenient, if we feel like it. That's not the invitation that Jesus has given here. So what is the invitation? I believe it's two things. Number one, in your notes, it's learn from Jesus. Jesus is saying, I, I want you to, to learn from me. In other words, I want you to hear what's important to me. I want you to hear what's important to my Father. I want you to spend some time praying with me. I want you to spend some time eating with me, walking with me, doing ministry together with me. I want your life as you choose to follow me to learn from me. Super important, but not only that, not only learn from me, I want you to become like me. I want you to become like Jesus. In other words, as you see the way I forgive, I want you to forgive the same way. As you see the way I love, I want you to love the same way. As you see the way I value people that are often overlooked, I want you to value them the same way. As you see my compassion for people that are hurting, I want you to have the same kind of compassion. I want you to not only learn from me, I want you to become like me, is what Jesus said. And the key to this is just trust. You know, I think it's interesting, a two-year-old, a three-year-old, a four-year-old will hold their mom or dad's hand and just follow them all around and not have a worry in the world. Wasn't life grand back then? 
Like not worrying about anything except maybe when you're gonna have your next ice cream cone. You know, you're just kind of uh, just holding your mom or dad's hand and walking all over the place. Why? Because you trusted them. Complete trust. That's what Jesus is saying in this invitation. I want you to follow me. I want you to trust me because where I'm leading, boy, you get to follow and it's gonna be amazing. Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it this way, famous theologian. He said, it is only because he became like us that we can become like him. It's only because Jesus got off his throne in heaven and became a human being that ultimately we can become like him. You know, I had a life-changing moment about 15 years ago. 15 years ago, uh, we were getting ready to move into this facility. We were moving all of our furniture and uh, desk and all the youth stuff from downtown to here. I was the youth pastor at the time. And uh, there was, uh, one of our guys was bringing the ping pong table over. It was a wooden ping pong table. Uh, it was pretty good shape still. And he was in his truck and he was flying down Pellendale. And I think he was going too, too, a little bit too fast. He hit a bump. It wasn't tied down well. The whole ping pong table flew out of the back of his truck, landed on Pellendale, which isn't horrible, but there was a semi coming behind him. And it came and it just smashed into it. And it literally exploded all over the road. And he said, Jeremy, uh, sorry, this is what happened. It's in about 3,000 toothpicks on Palindale. I apologize. And I said, okay. And he's like, that's it? I'm like, yeah, that's it. Like, what, what do you want me to do? Like, I can jump up and down and get all mad and ah, scream. It's not gonna put the ping pong table back together again. The defining moment in my life was so often life isn't about what happens to us, it's about how we respond. How in you, you and I can respond because yes, I cannot put the pink pieces of the ping pong table back together again, but here's the reality, Jesus can. In your brokenness, in your life that feels like it's falling apart, not only does Jesus put you back together, he makes you brand new. In fact, Jesus will make your mess and he will create a masterpiece because that's what he does. does. First thing we need to do is we need to respond to his invitation to follow him, to learn from him and become like him. Second of all, in your notes, we need to believe that Jesus can transform anyone. Believe that, that Jesus can transform anyone. And this, this is huge because this is what it says here. It says, and I will make you become fishers of men. Uh, I love this because he just tells us two things. Follow me. And Jesus says, I'm gonna do the rest. Yes, you need to live a life of obedience. Yes, you need to surrender to the Holy Spirit. Yes, you need to li live a life where you are surrendering to me, but I will make you into fishers of men. I will make you become fishers of men if we struggle believing that Jesus can tra transform anyone. Boy, we're gonna struggle with our vision of reaching lost people because we're gonna think, man, God, God can't change them. Like, they're too old far gone, they're, they're, too, they're too far from God. They've got too much work to do in their life. And yet we see here that Jesus is the one that ultimately does the work. You know, a couple, uh, several years ago, I made the decision to go to a chiropractor. How many of you have ever been to a chiropractor before? Okay, how many of you will never go to a chiropractor? Yeah, you're like, I don't want my neck broken. I'm just like, I'm not telling you to go to a chiropractor. I'm just telling you, I've been to one because I had some back. I threw my back out. It was an athletic event. I was um, brushing my teeth and uh, it just went out on me, you know? And uh, so I go to the chiropractor. I'm like, hey, this is what's going on in my back. I'm not feeling well. He's like, okay, lay down on the table. You know, he took some information. He's like, I just need you to relax. And here I am, I'm having a hard time relaxing. You know why? 
I'm afraid the bro's gonna break my neck, right? So I'm like, just, just like all tense. He's like, relax. He's like, okay, I'm not gonna do anything for a little bit until you relax. I'm like, ah, and he's like, like that, right? And I never knew that my chin could touch the other side of my shoulder and my back. Like, it just ripple effect, popcorn popping all of my, he's like, okay, now let me do the other side. I'm like, other side? What's going on here? He's like, yeah, just a little tweak. And he's like, like that, right? How, how many of you know exactly what I'm talking about? Yes, you've been scarred for life, right? And then the next thing, he's like, okay, I need you to lay on your side and I want you to put your leg over like that and I'm just gonna put a little pressure on you. Little pressure. Bro, like jumped two feet up in the air, did a body slam on me and cracked my back. And then guess what he said? Flip over. And he did it on the other side. And I'm like, right when this can't get any worse, he's like, all right, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna just uh, lengthen your hip a little bit. Lengthen my hip? What does that mean? So I'm just relaxing. He's like, you gotta relax, you gotta relax. I'm gonna wait until you relax. I'm like, uh, I put my guard down. It yanks my, I slide like two feet down off the table, does the other one. I leave the chiropractor that day. No joke, I'm like seven foot four because he stretched me out. Here's the point. I think the hardest part for me was just showing up and letting somebody else do the work. It's what it means to follow Jesus. It doesn't mean that it's gonna be pain-free and we're gonna talk about that next week. But we're talking about letting Jesus make any adjustments in your life as he sees necessary. And say, man, man, I just trust you because he's the one that does the work. That's how we're saved. We're not saved by being a good person. The Bible says that no one's good, not even one. We're not saved by trying to please God. Uh, us trying to please God, the Bible says in Isaiah, is nothing but filthy rags. We're saved by grace. It's a gift. It's free. We have to receive it. Why? Because Jesus has done all the work on the cross. He said, it is finished. The work of salvation is finished. But not only that, the work that God does to create us into a disciple, a follower, is something that he does. We just need to submit, surrender. And what Jesus does is he ends up doing all the work. I think about Mark chapter 12, or Mark chapter two, what happens in Mark chapter two? There's this guy named Levi, he's a tax collector. And Jesus says, Levi, follow me. Now, I'm sure his disciples in that moment were like, say what, Levi? Here's why this is so important. Tax collectors were like the worst of the worst sinners. They were traitors, they worked for the Roman government, but they were also thieves. They would rip people off. As long as they gave a certain amount to the Roman government, they could keep as much as they wanted. So they would find ways to steal from people. They, they were hated by people. And that's the kind of person that Jesus says, hey, I, I choose you. I want you, and here's why. Jesus saw people not just for who they were, he saw them for who they could become. And maybe you need to change the way you see yourself today. Maybe you're seeing yourself for who you are instead of how you can become. Why? Because God said that he will make them into fishers of men. And he did this in the early church. He did this in the church of Corinth where there was tons of sexual immorality. And this is what it says. It says, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy, or drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. 
That's who you were, but that's not who you are. Why? Because Jesus has the power to change anyone. Don't miss that. You know what, for me, uh, part of my story, I was raised in a great Christian family, but, but for me, my mindset of Christianity growing up was all about a religion. It was about as, as long as you like had your hair parted super nicely and your shirt tucked in and uh, kind of like what I'm doing today. By the way, last service, somebody, I guess, said this is the first time I've ever actually looked like a pastor. I took that as a compliment, you know, because usually I dress pretty casually. Um, but, but it was all about, about the, the outside and not, not the inside. As long as you acted like a Christian and spoke like a Christian and looked like a Christian and kind of fooled everybody else, that was Christianity. And I realized that Christianity is not about the outside, it's not about how you look, it's about the heart. And that's why I love it that you guys come in shorts and t-shirts and jeans and suits, it doesn't matter. That's why sometimes I'll wear a little bit of ripped up jeans just to mess with some of you guys every once in a while. Just to remind you, it is about the heart, but God grabbed a hold of my heart. He changed me from somebody that was all about religion to showing me that Jesus is all about a personal relationship. So second of all, we have to believe that Jesus can transform anyone. Thirdly, is leave your old life behind. Leave your old life behind. It says, and immediately they left their nets and followed him. Friends, there's some things in life that you don't need to pray about. These guys, it says, and immediately they, they left their nets and followed him. They, they didn't say, oh, let me pray about this. Hey, let me call my mom. Let me call my, my friends. Let me do a Facebook post real quick and find out what my friends think. There's none of that. So this is the right thing to do. There was no hesitation. And if we're not careful, we can get into this whole mindset of, hey, uh, it's good enough. I'm gonna try to follow Jesus, but I'm gonna drag my nets and I'm gonna drag other stuff behind me. No, it wasn't like that. They left their nets behind. One of the greatest challenges to us in following Jesus is that we will have times where we take our eyes off of Jesus and look at others and we will fall into comparison and it will make us say, hey, compared to so-and-so, I'm doing good enough. You know what the enemy of an A is in school? It's not an F, it's a B. Why? Because you say, a B is good enough. Some of us are like, yeah, but C's get degrees, you know? But, but we have this mindset where, hey, it is good enough. No, no, there's stuff that, that he wants us to leave behind. One of those things is sin. He wants us to turn from our sin. We're gonna talk about that in a couple weeks and we're gonna turn to Jesus and, and let go of that stuff. And again, some of us, we're just trying to drag around some stuff that we've been holding on to for for years of our life, so what is it that you're holding onto today that you need to let go of to follow Jesus? What is it that's weighing you down? David Platt put it this way. Pastor said, Jesus beckoned these men to leave behind their professions, possessions, dreams, ambitions, family, friends, safety, and security, and bid them to abandon everything. If anyone is going to follow me, he must deny himself. Jesus would say repeatedly, in a world where everything revolves around self, protect yourself, promote yourself, preserve yourself, entertain yourself, comfort yourself, take care of yourself, Jesus says, slay yourself. 
I love that. In other words, it is not about you. One of the greatest things that you need to leave behind when you follow Jesus Christ is yourself. It's you. See, to follow Jesus is total abandonment. I believe that there's three things that so often when people choose to follow Christ, they, they really struggle to let go of. They really struggle to leave behind. Uh, one would be money. So I, when the rich young ruler comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, what must I do to be saved? He says, well, you know the commandments and you know, the rich young ruler says, yeah, all that I've done since I was a kid. And he says, one thing you still lack, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, then come follow me. And the rich young ruler walks away sad because he was a person of great wealth. He could not let go to the very thing that he loved and maybe brought him security. That's what money does for so many of us. It brings us this false sense of security. Second thing I would say is sexual immorality. Now, what is sexual immorality? It's any kind of sexual involvement outside of a covenant marriage relationship between a biological male, biological female, a husband and wife. I think a lot of times people say, I'm I'm gonna choose to follow Jesus Christ, but they hold on to the porn addiction. They hold on to the affairs. They hold on to sex outside of, of, of marriage. And that's the kind of stuff, friends, I love you enough, that just needs to stop. Maybe that's the greatest thing you could do today is is make that decision, get some help and say, man, I've got some sexual challenges in my life. I got some uh, money issues in my life that I just love. Or maybe the third thing is idolatry. What's idolatry? It's anything in your life that you love more than Jesus. And it could be stuff that's not necessarily bad. It it could be your house, it could be a boat, it could be a hobby, it could be shopping, it could be stuff, whatever it is. But I believe if we're not careful, these things can get into our lives that we need to leave behind. And so what is God calling you today to leave behind? What is he calling you to let go of? What, What are you, where are you following Jesus? And you're just dragging those things around and Jesus is just saying, let it go. What are those things as a church that we need to leave behind that's gonna prevent us from moving forward and living out our mission and vision? I believe one of the greatest things is personal preferences. Things that aren't necessarily wrong, but stuff that we just don't like. Maybe some of us, we don't, we don't like how bright the worship center is or how dark the worship center is or the, the fog or the haze or the lights or the song selection or whatever it is. For some of us, we just need to say, hey, that's a preference. I'm gonna leave that behind and I'm gonna chase after Jesus. Because here's the concern. Again, is that you would live a life with the Christian title only, but your life looks nothing like Jesus. You know, I'll I'll hear people at times say, yeah, we've been married for 20, 30, 40 years. It's like, that's awesome. But is it any good, right? Is is it any good? Because it's like they're just going, it doesn't look like they're enjoying life. I mean, they don't seem to talk to each other at all. They don't seem affectionate at all. They're not sleeping in the same room. The husband's not serving the wife. The wife's not respectful of the husband. It's just, just like, that doesn't look like the biblical picture of marriage. And often what happens is when somebody is married for the first six months, a year, the man doesn't leave behind what he's supposed to. The Bible says that for this reason, a husband shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. 
But six months into marriage, he's looking at his wife and saying, man, your casserole you make, it's not like my mom's. And, but the tacos you make, they're not like my mom's tacos. It's like, bro, knock it off. That's where you wanna get a tortilla out and just slap them sideways, right? Maybe two at the same time. Why? Because he didn't leave behind something that was necessary to follow Jesus. I believe the same is with us. If we're gonna truly follow Jesus, there are some things that we need to leave behind so that we can be living out the biblical portrait of a follower of Jesus Christ. Francis Chan put it this way. He said, you will find that the things you let go of while following Jesus were the things that were going to destroy you in the end. What is that thing that if you don't let it go today, see where the road leads 10, 15 years ago and it will end up destroying your life. Because whatever you let go of to follow Christ, you will gain so much more. Point four is simply this. Not only do we leave the old life behind, you make Jesus your greatest priority. You make Jesus your, your greatest priority. And this is what it says. It says in verse 19, going a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Make Jesus your greatest priority. What does that mean? It was more important than their father. It was more important than their boat. It was more important than the servants. It was more important than their job, their occupation. Jesus was more important than anything. I believe one of the greatest things that's hard to come to grips with is that Jesus is more important than us. In fact, in the Gospels, in, in Matthew 16, Jesus put it this way, if anyone comes after me and does not hate his own father and mother, that's not just when you're a teenager, his wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What, what's he talking about here? He's talking about there should be such a great gap between the love that you have for Jesus and the love that you have for anyone else that it's gonna appear to be as hatred. But if you don't hate your family members and even yourself, can't be my disciple. So what would it look like for you today to choose to follow Jesus in a way where you respond to the invitation, where you believe that Jesus can change anyone including you, where you leave your old life behind and where you make Jesus the greatest priority of your life. Well, how do you make him the greatest priority of your life? I believe it's through your time, it's your talents and your treasures. You spend time with Jesus every day. Your talent, whatever gift that God's given you, you use that to build his kingdom, not your own. And your treasures, you put God first in your finances. What would it look like for you today to say, you know what? I don't just want the label Christian. I wanna be a follower. I wanna be the real deal. And I don't know everything that that means, but I'm willing to leave everything behind to follow Jesus, the one who died on the cross in my place for my sins so that I can live. Friends, it's the greatest invitation any human being could ever get. 
And it's also the greatest decision you could ever make is, is yes to Jesus. In just a moment, I'm gonna give you the opportunity to pray and receive Jesus into your life, to commit to being a follower. And boy, if you've never done that before, my prayer is that you would say yes. Yes to this invitation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that Jesus makes it clear that he wants us to learn from him and ultimately be like him. And that he initiated the invitation. That he chooses us in spite of us. God, even though we struggle at times to love ourselves, your son never stops loving us showed us that love through the cross and the resurrection. 